Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We, we watch, watch films to, to save you, you hassle. hassle. It's another podcast with a filmmaking twist just for you. I am TJ and we'll be bringing you hot topics from the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweat and online series as they stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Sharing the frame with me today are Cody. Hi. King Dom. Hey. And Neo Geo. Hello! Between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our tech, of our podcast technology, and we are now broadcasting from Cardsbox, which is the one-stop shop for all your entertainment and podcast needs, where you can find Geeksweat on under hashtag G-E-E-K-S-W-E-A-T. Cardsbox is the online app which you can download to your Android, which features many things such as downloads, search engine facilities, and and several other entertaining podcasts for your ears. We are now recording live and direct from Ithaca House. Woo! So, today's session is a hot topic, which I would like to discuss with a special guest and hopefully new friend of Geek Sweat, Anthony Andrew. Welcome to the show. Hello, how you doing? We're fine. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very excited for the uh, Oscar season coming up. Uh, some good films coming out, so yeah. Good yeah, because we actually like talking about this like on the eve of Oscar night for 2019. I mean, I'm quite excited about it. Are you guys excited about it as well? Yeah, I always try and keep an eye on the Oscars. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's a fixture in the film calendar. We all look forward to the award season and, you know, have our own opinions and debates, so... Yeah, definitely. Interesting selections this year, too. What are you looking forward to, particularly, Anthony, about uh, the Oscars at the moment? So I think the most interesting thing that's happening is um, the Oscars seeming to give space to Netflix. So obviously, they've nominated films um, that have been produced by Netflix in the past, but okay. to give a film like Roma so many nominations, knowing that it's come from a streaming service, it'd be interesting to see how that translates to actual Oscars on the night. Okay, cool. But before we get into some Oscars talk, uh, perhaps talk about other black British talent mm. that is on the market at the moment and other things that have been in the news, can we first talk about where you have come from? Because mm. you're part of an interesting organisation called We Are Parable, That's right, who yeah. have been doing some interesting things in the BAME community as well as the film community so could you give us a brief introduction about what we are parable do sure so we are parable is run by myself and my wife uh, tian andrews and we are an events company that specialize in film exhibitions so essentially we screen films that are very much um focused on black cinema uh, and we create experiences around those films so the first um, film that we ever did was coming to america celebrating the 25th anniversary um, and we screened um, we screened the film with an experience around it. So we took over our local cinema and turned it into an Afro an Afrofuturistic uh, palace and kingdom. That what really would be your local cinema? Stratford uh, Stratford Picture House was my okay. local cinema. Yes. So we did that six years ago now, which feels like uh, only yesterday. But we um, took it over and we created this uh, sort of um, 
Zamundan Palace, where we had African dancers, drummers, performers, um, all coming down into the space and really trying to, I guess, play with the conventions of what it meant to go to the cinema. And we've been doing that ever since, really. So all the way up until um, uh, last year, where we um, we worked with the BFI to create the world's first public preview screening of Black Panther, where we did a similar thing, taking over the That's space at the BFI South Bank and, and creating a space where cosplayers could turn up. We had comic book exhibitions um, yeah. and all these things really just try and bring out the experience of a film uh, in, in a particular space. So would you say the Zamunda experience for cinema goers was mm. like the perfect template to bring to the Wakanda experience of 2018? Very much so. I think the two films are inextricably linked because they are two of the very few examples where black people are portrayed as royalty. There's no, there's no sort of real like poverty or pain or that, that, that we're very used to seeing the, the sort of single story that mm. Chimanda Ngozi and Dichi talks about where it's just that single narrative of, you know, black people in pain and struggling and, str mm. you know, all that strife. It's actually, these two films celebrate blackness. And I think the link between what we did six years ago to what we did with Black Panther in 2018 is very strong because it really did celebrate um, being black without the um, sort of, you know, the, the constant sort of narrative that we're presented with in mainstream cinema. Um, there's another thing that is uh, quite noticeable about your involvement with black cinema last mm. year, which was also um, getting on the radar of the comeback, as it were, of one of probably America's, as well as the black community's best directors, Spike Lee. Yeah. Now, he'd been, let's say, off the radar for some time. Yep. And now he was coming back with a true story called mm. uh, Black Klansman, featuring none other than Denzel Washington's son mm. in the lead role yep. and a, a highly popular um, actor in the name of, I want to say Kylo Ren, but it's not his name. It's a, <laughs> Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver, Who's yeah, uh, yeah. obviously quite prominent in the, the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. So what was it like coming into contact with Spike and what did you do with him or what kind of work yeah. did you do as an event management? So in 2014, we were approached by another organization who wanted to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Do The Right Thing. So we did a similar thing where we um, had a street party to really try and um, reflect the block, the, the block environment of what we were doing, um, or of what the film was about. Um, so we did that with, uh, we had hopscotch outside, we had a dance off, we had all these different elements. And I thought, Okay, so that was really cool. I'm glad we did that. Because these were part of a do the right thing film. Yeah, exactly. Symbolism. Yeah, all, all part of the elements of, of that made up the film. And then after that event finished, I really enjoyed it. And I just thought, you know, hold on. I'm a massive Spike Lee fan. I don't think there's actually been any retrospectives of his work in London. So as his 60th birthday was coming coming in, did I Did that include the BFI as well? At that time, no, 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 it didn't. Okay. So we, we just sort of did it ourselves. And we wow. thought, you know, let, let's see if we can screen these films and put experiences around them. Yeah. So... I came up with the um, the idea for um, uh, Spike is 60, which was a film festival, nine month long film festival, celebrating Spike Lee's work um, uh, over 12 films uh, in London and Manchester. And the first film that we showed was uh, Mo Better Blues, where we actually had a saxophonist playing music over the score of the film to really enhance the experience wow. for, for, for audiences, which was awesome. So we did a number of those screenings. We did a Malcolm X screening with some of the filmmakers um, in the room that um, could uh, sort of uh, relate to Spike Lee's troubles and issues about trying to make that film. And then in July of 2017, um, because we were so prominent on tagging Spike into everything that we did on social, yeah. and he's pretty prominent on social. Yeah. 
he reached out to us um, a few days before he was de- uh, due to touch on London and said, look, you know. How did that happen? Because that, like, yeah. that's a sign of greatness to kind of be on the radar of somebody like Spike yeah. Lee. So was it him directly or was it management team? No, it was it. We've, we were trying to reach out to him before we launched um, okay. through his uh, production company, through his agent, through his biographer, who we got in touch with. Um, sure. And we weren't finding any joy. So this was a pure, this is an email from his, his, his email account saying, yeah. hey, it's Spike Lee. Um, I'm going to be in London in a few days. Let's let's do something. Wow, which but was just incredible. Um, that's how it happened. So that, yeah. was it like a lot of like as soon as the phone got put down, a lot of shuffling and moving. Yeah, massively because we had a very short turnaround. I think this was on the Thursday, and he wanted to do it on the Monday. Wow. So we had to. We luckily we had really good relationships with um, Picture House Cinemas. Yeah. Who um, we, you know we said look you know we need a space that can hold about 400 people because yeah. it's definitely going to sell out. Yeah. Um, they had Spider-Man, the um, uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man uh, film from a couple of years ago. Okay. And that, that came out that weekend. Well, so, that would have been Spider-Man 2, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, with, so um, the one, so the, one, no, the one with Tom Holland. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's as well. One, yeah. yeah, that yeah, was so one about, Yeah, about two... Homecoming, bit, I think yeah, Homecoming, was, yeah. that's the one. Um, so they were just trying to move that around. They moved it for yeah. us. Um, wow. Spike came in. Don't tell Marvel he did that. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, Spike came in and was, you know, just gave an, a magnificent talk to 400 fans. He did a book signing. He did, he did a Q and A afterwards. You know, I think the the night started at half past six. He didn't leave till almost midnight. You know, this was a Stratford picture. No, so this is at um, Picture House Central in the oh, middle of town. Central. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The plush looking one. The plush one. The fancy yeah, okay. one. Yeah. So that's um, yeah, that was it. Working with Spike was just. It's everything that I thought it would be. I mean, he's someone who doesn't suffer fools. Yeah. Gladly, he's very forthright. He knows exactly what he wants and how he wants to do it. I mean, you, I mean, I can't, I don't think anyone would imagine him to be anything else. And I think he was quite like apprehensive about working with us. He didn't know anything about us. Yeah. But once we delivered the event and he could see what quality we brought to it, you know, he was like, oh, you know, come meet me for breakfast the next day. And, wow. you, know, you know, we spoke for a good half an hour. And when he was um, in town for Black Klansman last year, we managed to catch up for a few minutes and just talk through what we're doing and how we might collaborate in the future. So, yeah, um, I won't say he's a mate, but, you know, it's um, it's, it's definitely a Something's good... Something's um, getting there. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a good sort of uh, dynamic to have with him, for sure. I mean, the interesting thing about um, working with Spike Lee in that way mm. is... You're part of the uh, food chain now of how films get consumed by the public or are made accessible mm. to the public. So just to make it a little bit clearer to the audience, yeah. where do you feel We Are Parable comes in to pick up films to make them more accessible to a yeah. wide audience? So I think there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of couple of elements there. So I think we come in at the point where dis- dis- distributors are working with black cinema and they're not quite sure how to position the film to their audience. Mm-hmm. So you know you might do something like a Q and A, which you know um, at the moment is happening more with talent. So you know directors come in and they do a Q and A, or you know the actors come in and do Q and A. But sometimes there is more that you can do, and I think that's where we that that's the intersection that we are, that we're at, at the moment where we can start to deliver an experience and think about the film that we're working on. So we worked on Yardi, Idris Elba's film, um, and we came up with a number of ideas on how to celebrate Jamaican and UK sound system culture. So we had the idea of building a 10 foot, um, 10 foot sound system in a cinema with a DJ, you know, having some art on the walls to really try and bring out the experience of London and, and Jamaican sound system culture as much as possible. So that was a really great way that we did that. 
Um, and I think another way that we try and make our screens accessible, I think the great thing about Spike was that we were able to offer the tickets to that, to you know, regular people, you know, people who are accountants, people who work in offices, not the influencers, if you like to call them that, or, you know, the people that are know someone who knows someone. We like to position our events as being the people's premiere. And actually, when we did Black Panther um, at the BFI um, South Bank, we worked extensively with uh, the, uh, the BFI South Bank team to make sure that we were able to offer a number of tickets to the people who would want to see the film, not just those sort of select um, privileged few that always get the exclusives. We want to make the exclusive inclusive. Mm. So do you feel that the there needs to be like a re-education about the distribution, what the distribution channel looks like for black film or do for the <clears throat> distributors yeah. or for the filmmakers? So I think the filmmakers get it. I think the filmmakers are happy when as much people as possible see their films, for sure. I think where the pipeline can sometimes fall down is where um, distributors are very protective of what they've acquired. Um, so there's a few distributors, I won't name them, who are very, very, very protective of the film that they've acquired and, and, and sort of see the experiential cinema that we get involved in as they're not sure if it's sophisticated enough or if it's too obvious. And I think actually, you know what? It's for the audience to decide that. And, you know, mm. everything that we've done, we've always got great feedback on because we really mm. do take the time to understand the sort of the, the, the DNA of a film so we can try mm. and pull that out and make, a, make an experience around that. So I think distributors probably need a bit more convincing about experiential cinema and what it can do for an audience and i think you know not only does it enhance the experience of, of going to see a film i think from a social shareable, shareable point of view it gives it gives you another element another opportunity to talk about your film in a non-salesy way it's not like go and see his film it's out mm. on the 5th of february it's actually yeah. look what they did here this yeah. is something slightly different maybe it's a augmented reality app maybe yeah. it's a um i don't know like a poetry slam like maybe it's just something slightly different that you don't necessarily associate with cinema so going back to that word experiential mm. it's not just about buying a ticket waiting 10 minutes with a mm. popcorn and then watching a the film it's more yeah. about uh, getting a taste of the culture behind what where the film came from so it's about probably yeah. experiencing the fashion mm. like the the zimunda yeah. uh, style that you did with uh, coming to america or the mm. wakanda clothing style yeah. for black panther mm. or like you said a poetry slam if it's like a film like i don't know poetic justice or love yeah. jones yeah or perhaps like you said because i think you've done the promotion with something called barbershop as well did yeah, you do anything so, particular about because barbershop's quite a famous comedy film yeah so with, um, i think ice cube and obviously right. the barbershop features quite prominently yeah. in uh coming to america because it right. gives that's right. eddie murphy and arsenio hall a chance to play a lot of different characters that's correct yeah so with the with the barbershop um that was a that was a that was a project that was part of the BFI Comedy Genius season, um, and we looked at black comedy legends, and we decided that we would celebrate Desmond's as a sitcom. Um, you know, it revolutionised the way black British sitcom was in the UK. It still hasn't really been topped since you know thirty years later. So we thought we'd celebrate that by recreating and reimagining uh, the Desmond's Barbershop, and we had the idea of taking it on tour and giving offering free haircuts to individuals who came into the shop and then showing episodes of Desmond's as well as having stand-up comedians perform in the space. So it really was again, you know, bringing out that experience, getting people into the shop, getting them understanding exactly what the culture is all about and really thinking about how um, 
you know, we can really try and tell a story with the experience that we've got, you know, um, if you go onto our website, uh, weareparable.com, you'll see some pictures of of the of the barbershop and the attention to detail that we put in there. Again, really trying to um, communicate a narrative to our audience and really un make them understand the experience that we're trying to achieve. Okay. I mean, that sounds like a very comprehensive answer. I think uh, <laughs> I hope our audience knows a little bit more about cool. um, We Are Parable and happy to check it out. That's mm. We Are Parable and w-e-a-r-e-p-a-r-a-b-l-e.com and um just coming back now uh to one of our earlier themes about uh, our hot topics um what do you think is going to happen today or tomorrow even mm -hmm. um for oscars 2019 because yep. we're now looking at a situation where if any it seems like if any of the black nominees wins mm tomorrow it's going to be creating some kind of history yeah. and um i can dip into this now because there's several black nominees who could potentially make history sure just by winning at this year's ceremony so for example we have um mahershala ali if i've got that right who's uh, been nominated for best supporting actor yeah. and um previously he became the first muslim actor to win in this category with uh, moonlight and if he wins on Sunday, he'll be the first black actor to work, to earn two Best Supporting Actor mm. Oscars. Now, I know if uh, White Falcon is here, he'd say, no, the first person was probably Denzel Washington. But Denzel Washington's got two Oscars as a Best Supporting and a Best, best actor. actor. Yeah. So that is... He needs White Falcon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he loves the stats. But, and then yeah. there's, but there's other things that to look at as well, like uh, there's production design for Hannah Beechler, and she could be... She's not only the first black person nominated in this category, uh, but if... Because I think she was nominated in Moonlight, but she could be the first black winner in this category. And you've got people like Peter Ramsey, best animated feature uh, for Spider-Man, and the list goes on. Mm. Are there Ruthie any... Carter, costume design for Black Panther. Incredible. Rufy Carter, yep. yeah. Yeah, costume design yeah. for Black Absolutely. Panther, who would be a very deserving winner should she win. There you go. Absolutely. So are there any, like, uh, nominations that you can see that, mm. that should be converted or got a stronger <clears throat> chance of being converted into winners this year? So I think, if I could take a step back for a second, I think one of the sort of... I guess the, the thing that rankles me is that we're still talking about the first black person to be nominated for X, sure. the first black person to be nominated for Y, you know, mm. and I think that's, you know, in 91 years of the Oscars, I mean, that is a pretty damning statistic, you know. Mm. Um, you know, even, even if you look at gender and you look at the, um, the best um, director, it's only been won once by a woman and only four women have ever been nominated for the best uh, director um um oscar so you, you know you look at that and you just you, you know it's as much as i love the oscars i mean it has major major uh challenges ahead of it in order to, to you know to, to really seem diverse and inclusive you know um but i think going back to your original question i think you know you look at someone like spike lee and you think this is the first time he's ever been nominated for best director and actually i was having a conversation with um uh, a good colleague on on twitter about you know what film should Spike Lee have won um, Best Director for? And it's amazing that he's never been nominated um, for Best Director. So I, I think, always felt the answer was Malcolm X. See, this is the and thing. possibly do the right thing. So I can't split between Malcolm yeah. X and do the right thing. 
I mean, you know, the, the, the guy thinks they uh, do the right thing. And, you know, I'm inclined to agree because that is one of my top three, top five films, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but Malcolm X is, is just one of the best biopics of all time. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, if not the best. Because so the, it's, it's very, very challenging. Yeah, because the, the thing that I find interesting about the, um, I'm trying to get the article online yeah. at the moment. The thing I find interesting about um, the history of uh, the black community, as it were, yeah. in the Oscars is I think there was a lady called uh, Hattie Daniels yeah. who'd won Hattie the Oscars Daniel, yeah. in, I think, um, it might have been 1939 or 1940 yeah. for her role in Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And then it was, uh, I think, 22 years we had to go forward and it was then um, the next um, actor to win was Sydney Poitier yeah, yeah. in Heat of the Night. And then after that, there's a long slew of uh, uh, winners mm. for best song and yeah. best sound and yeah. best uh, soundtrack. And I think mm. even uh, Prince got best score at one point. Uh, just going to try and Rain, find right? the stats. For, yeah, for Purple yeah. Rain in 1985. But that was that year was the last time that category existed because after he'd won that um, Oscar for best score mm. uh, uh, was withdrawn. And this would have been interesting because mm. this is coming at a time when um, Quincy Jones was yeah. kind of really coming to prominence yeah. in the music industry. So um, these uh, nominations have been few and far between. So does this mean that... Uh, in this year's Oscars, are we seeing um, a kind of a, a compensation for Oscars that weren't nominated in the past? Or are we seeing that there's just more a, a wider platform of talent available now? So I wouldn't want to see it as a compensation. I think there's some great work that's that's been on show this this year, definitely. I think, you know, although I wouldn't necessarily... I wouldn't necessarily agree that Black Klansman is Spike Lee's best work or even if it's in his top five, but I think it's a very engaging film. It's a very well-made film, very well-written film. Um, and I think he totally deserves his, his spot as, um, you know, on, on the best director list and on the best adaptive screenplay list. And possibly, you know, for the climate that we live in, the best picture nominated list. I think Mahershala Ali is, um, you know, he's, he's a great talent. I haven't, actually haven't seen Green Book. I was kind of put off by a lot of um, friends saying it was a bit of a, retread of that driving Miss Daisy, but it does know. look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, really talented people on that list. Uh, you know, you've got Jordan Peele, obviously, you know, with the success last year, being the exec producer on, um, on Black Klansman, you've got, um, Ruthie Carter, who worked on do the right thing, uh, Malcolm mm. X, uh, she did a number, she's done so many films. I mean, if you look at her, um, her filmography, it's incredible. Yeah. And to think that this is the first time she's been nominated for an Oscar. So I think people are there on merit and not compensation, but at the same time, there does need to be a. I guess a um, acknowledgement from Oscar to really see that by ignoring not only people of color, but different films that, that might not be traditionally identified as Oscar worthy material, they are losing audience. And, and at that stage, they're losing relevance as well. So I think Oscar, the Academy really needs to look at themselves and think how they can really make the Oscars relevant again by rewarding these films that are, you know, universally loved. And I'm thinking about Black Panther in this, in this particular um, example, but, you know, that's where I think Oscar really needs to step it up. I want to say one thing, because uh, I've looked at Ruthie Carter. It's uh, crazy. Did, Sorry, Cody. Uh, I didn't uh, directed an episode of Seinfeld. Um, 
Well, no, no, that's Rufy Carter doing oh, costume for yeah. Seinfeld. Cody's always surprised about um, people. Uh, I won't say people of color, but he's he's very surprised mm. about Jordan Peele's um, horror. No, uh, it's just that he was known as a comedian. Yeah. yeah. He was part of a, you know, it was a comedy jail. Yeah. And then he made a horror film, which is fine. Yeah. But now he's made another horror film. And I just wondered yeah. why he went and to comedy. And now he's the producer of Black Klansman what, as well. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Just, I, I, think I, thought, what, I thought I'd expect him to kind of maybe do a comedy Do film. you know what? I think, I think this, uh, again, with the Jordan Peele thing, I think you've got a guy who's probably writing and creating his own stuff. And in the window of, um, is it Key and Peele? He's yeah. obviously got lots and lots of material, but I'm quite sure he's got a lot of side projects as well. And I think we're seeing that come into fruition now yeah. because he's come to the peak of his powers. One thing I wanted to mention about um, Ruthie Carter, because she's done some, she's been costume design for some great films here, like House Party 2, uh, well, House Party 1's probably better, but House Party 2, Jungle Fever. Obviously, um, long-standing relationship with Spike Lee. Yeah, What's yeah. Love Got To Do With It? Um Perhaps. I'm not sure what BAPS is, so I won't say anything about it. House still have got a groove back, but I want to say something about, um, uh, oh, Serenity as well. She might have done that um, sci-fi film. Um, but there's a film called Black Dynamite that mm. um, came that out film. in 2009. It's a great film. And yeah. um, it doesn't get the appreciation that it should because uh, this was directed by Michael J, sorry, it's produced by Michael J. White, who was the writer and director, so, sorry, the writer and lead actor. Uh, Scott Sanders was the director. But um, it's actually a very retro homage to all of these kind of uh, black exploitation films of the past. Yeah. And not only did they get the costume right, but even the picture tone and quality and some yeah. of the comedy of the, the parody of the bad editing mm. as well. And I was thinking that was a film that really flew under the radar for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, why do you think that didn't... Um, do you think that is the type of film that should be getting nominated for Oscars, even for Best Costume, for Ruth Carter? Possibly, yeah. I think... So I think, yeah, so there's two answers there. So I think it probably flew under the radar because it is it is a pretty niche film. I think yeah. the fact, you know, you mentioned about the bad editing, I think people, I think sometimes the sound man just walks onto, yeah. onto, onto the scene. So I think they are very sort of in jokes. If you know about black exploitation films, they did have like notoriously bad sort of setups and mm. editing and stuff like that. So I think if you know that, then it's, it's a great film. And I actually love this film. I haven't seen it for a couple of years, but it, it is great. Um, so I think it's possibly just a bit too niche if I'm, if I'm being totally honest. Um, and I think with costumes, my opinion is that they tell a story, you know, yeah. the, the clothes tell a story. I mean, if you've seen, if Bill Street could talk, mm. um, you know, the, the, the costumes and the, and the production design value in that film is incredible. And it, to, to a point where I hadn't noticed it as, as prominently in other films as I did in that film. So I think it's really up to, for, for a costume designer to tell stories um, through the clothes that the actors are wearing as much as possible. And I think any film that does that should be recognised, but, you know, there are there are five spots. It's usually films that have been recognised in other categories that get the nod. Mm. So, um, yeah, you know, and it's probably down to the studio as well. Are the studio, are they, you know, everyone's got an idea of what an Oscar-worthy film looks like. And actually, traditionally, would that film do well? You know, you know, lobbying for Oscars costs loads of money. I mean, Netflix are spending yeah. God knows how much, um, you know, pushing Roma at the moment. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. 
Well, just just to bring you back on side, because I, I yeah. feel like we need to split this episode into another one to probably talk about uh, probably the talent of black British actors that have gone abroad and mm. uh, black mm. distribution. But um, as a preview or precursor to uh, the Oscars and in the context of uh, this uh, episode, where do you see the black nominations that will become, and I'll, I'll spread this around the room as well. So Cody, you can probably chip in. Okay, um, no, no, don't, don't. <laughs> okay, do, King Dom, I'll ask you. Um, where do you see the current black nominations becoming uh, winners? Which categories okay. would you say? Um, so I think Spike Lee's In With A Shout. He often talks about a makeup Oscar. Yeah. Um, so if you think about Denzel Washington and Mal- Malcolm X, mm. um, didn't win. And Al Pacino won for A Scent of a Woman, which I don't think anyone's watched since 1992. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think his, you know, he was supposed to be nominated for Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. I think this yeah. is his time to win an Oscar. Yeah. Um, I would say Regina King in If Bill Street Could Talk. I think that is, a, you know, quietly understated, but what masterful. What category is Regina King? She's in the Best Supporting Actress category. Okay. So I think she'll, she'll walk away with that. So let's have a... Just if I can, I'm trying to find the right article. Um, let's see, just see who's the best supporting actress, you say. So best Regina King actress, yeah. is up against Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz yeah. from The Favourite. Now, I think Emma Stone may have been nominated before for um, Birdman. Yeah, well, she's, she's won, she? She, she yeah. won for La La Land and Rachel Weisz won yeah. for and then, The Constant Gardener, I think. And I think you've got Amy Adams there who may have been, who's got nominated for Vice this year. And I think yeah. she's previously got nominated for... Uh, what was that? Is it American Hustle, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. American, yeah. So she's actually she's actually kind of a noob going into this one, isn't she? she well, she's been nominated like a load of times. Oh really? Like, yeah. So I think she's. Um, oh gosh, it was for American Hustle, I think for Regina the Fighter King. as well. No, sorry, it's oh, Amy, Amy, Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah, she's been nominated for loads okay. of things. So, so what I'm well, so to put it in context, what oh, I'm trying sorry. to say is Regina King yes. is up against. Some oh yeah, she's yeah, she's definitely a, yeah definitely a newbie, but yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like that was, a, that was a great that was a great role, you know, and she okay. didn't have much to play with, but what she yeah. did, she did great with. Okay, could you give me another um, contender who mm. you think might cross over? Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I, I could go I, to the top if you want. Yeah, I mean, so I think Best Picture, I think Black, I think Black Panther is in with a really good chance of winning. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we, I mean, you have got two. Um, kind of key important black films there. I mm. think one that's interesting is you've got one that's kind of commercially successful uh-huh. and one of them that is probably more critically acclaimed yeah. because it's based on a true story. Sure. Um, I mean, King Dom, you've seen a couple of these films uh, yes, yourself last year. So what do you think about the best picture category? And for the audience at home, currently it's Black Panther versus Black Klansman versus Bohemian Rhapsody versus The Favourite versus Green Book versus Roma. Again, the Netflix only distributed film, it seems to be. A a Star is Born. I mean, you've got to fancy Roma because they're the only team that actually... <laughs> um, well, yeah, if all 11 players get on with a football, the rest of them won't stand a chance. Um, yeah, there's Roma from Netflix, A Star is Born, and Vice. Yeah. So, like I was saying at the top of the show, one of the things I like about the Oscars is the kind of the hustle beforehand, and some films seem to pick up momentum, mm. some films seem to lose momentum. Um, mm. The one that's 
apparently rapidly losing momentum is a star is born. Yeah. Okay. That looks like it was going to clean up at one mm. point, and for yeah. whatever reason, it seems to be falling out of everyone's yeah. favour. Yeah. Mm. Much to Bradley Cooper's disappointment. Yeah. You can see him looking more and more disappointed yeah. at a succession of award shows. Mm. I'm almost starting to feel sorry for him. No, don't do that. No, <laughs> I won't. I mean, there's nothing in Bradley Cooper's life that should make us feel yeah. sorry for him. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, in terms of momentum, weirdly enough, I think Black Klansman is starting to get some momentum behind it. Yeah. I think Spike Lee's a good shout for best director. I think that yeah. could be on. Oh, best director? I think Spike okay. Lee's a possible for best yeah. director. Yeah, okay. I agree best with that. picture. Well, yeah. I mean, the momentum behind Spike Lee could carry it over the line. Yeah. Mm. I mean, for me personally, I know Black Panther represents a lot of things good and true for a lot of comic book fans, a lot of cinema fans, a lot of people who want to see a different um, perspective of um, black faces and stereotypes on screen who probably aren't familiar with coming to America from 25, 30 years ago. But I just feel that the political situation that we're in in America Mm. and people recognising racial violence a little bit more I've got a feeling that Black Klansman's going to kind of just probably push forward a little bit because of people's kind of political sensitivities. And I, and I think if people remember that was a film based on a true story and how ridiculous the criminology of the FBI having to have a, a black man pretending to be a white guy to infiltrate the, uh, the Ku Klux Klan I think there's not a better time to do this and I think the undercard for, for Spike Lee is I think there's that kind of Martin Scorsese departed element where yeah. he's probably Martin Scorsese had made quite a few films like Mean Streets Goodfellas yeah. Casino uh, Raging Bull which I think a lot of people would say they weren't just Oscar worthy but they could have been Oscar winners and I feel yeah. that Spike Lee has got a small uh portfolio of films that could probably set stand up to Oscar nomination, Oscar winning yeah. um, uh, titles, but they haven't been nominated and they haven't got there. And I think they might retrospectively yeah. try and think, well, Spike's been in the game for a long time. Yeah. He's been out of filmmaking uh, or, or market, market mainstream marketable filmmaking yeah. for probably two years. Let's give him something to show mm. that he's back, you know. So that's what I think might happen. Yeah, yeah. Why not just give it to the best film? That, that, it's that, never that, that easy. Happens. Never that easy. And, and, and I think if you watched the Oscars last year, Stephen, I think they had trouble giving it to the best film because I think yeah. two groups of production teams ended up going on stage for that at one point. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, Anthony, it's been mm. wonderful to have you with us. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this episode to a close okay. now. Can I make one more uh, prediction? Go for um, it. If Peter Ramsey, the co-director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. I would okay. put my house on him coming away with an Oscar. 100%. Okay. Great so you film. heard it here first, everybody. And if you do lose on your betting slips because of that, you, we'll give you Dom's email address for all the refunds. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Love you all. So, um, so yeah, so we are going to have to bring this episode to a close. Um, Anthony, would it be possible to bring you back onto another episode in future? Of course, yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed myself. Okay, then. So we'll really look forward to finding a way that we can slot you into a new episode, maybe about black film distribution and possibly uh, black American actors uh, versus black British actors. Well, 
I think my pie's done in the microwave now. <laughs> so um, what we're going to do now is going to close out this episode and um, we're just going to say a quick goodbye to our co-host. So thank you for being with us today, Cody. Yeah. Thank you for being with us, King Dom. Goodbye. And we've been sound engineered accurately and amplificationally by Neo Geo. Bye. And I've been your host, TJ. Uh, you were listening to Geek Sweat. Uh, these are end, our end credits as I chew my words carefully. So we invite you to subscribe as well. Geek Sweat is available on Castbox FM and you can download the app to listen to us. If you want to support the podcast by generating an interview question, being a guest or simply becoming a sponsor, please feel free to email film at instigateonline.com. This podcast thrives on listeners, so thank you for sharing your ears to show you we care. We watch films to save you hassle.